and welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. And joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Matt, of course, you can find on Twitter at Horizon Matt, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter as well at Horizon RT, and you can join us on the website at HorizonRoundtable.com. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. And Matt, um, we are in—we are officially in kind of the preview season, and I say that because we're going to be doing our own week of the 25th. Don't want to miss that. But, you know, we already have some of the publications that are coming out a little probably uh, given kind of the situation we've had, even whether we were going to have a season or not. It was always up in the air. But but they're finally coming out and joining us today um, from what what I consider is probably the gold standard of of preview publications is is Blake Lavelle, who's the associate editor over at uh, Blue Ribbon. Um, he's actually one of the and he's actually one of the contributing editors specifically for the Horizon League. So Blake, thank you very much for joining us. You got it, gentlemen. Uh, just excited to uh, listen to uh, everything you have to say and criticize all my picks uh, for this year's Blue Ribbon. I can't. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, I don't know. You have Cleveland State third, but we'll get to that later. Uh, <laughs> first of all, um, just kind of a little bit. Uh, give us a little bit of background because um, I'm sure that you know. I, while I have the utmost faith that most of our fans know kind of all the different publications, why don't you give us a little bit of background about Blue Ribbon and, you know, kind of, you know, how that, what what they're all about. Yeah, I mean, you know, guys, this is uh, the 40th anniversary edition of Blue Ribbon. And when you think about sort of the state of, I guess, the media industry and sports media specifically, you think about that, like for a yearbook to be around for 40 years running now, uh, it's pretty impressive. And so obviously our publisher, uh, Chris Dorch, he's had it for, for many years now. And yeah, we just continued seemingly, you know, I got involved with them several years ago and started as just a writer for the Horizon League. That was the very first thing I started doing for Blue Ribbon. And and now I still do that and, and do, you know, something as, as an associate editor and just a lot of different things that we have to do to get this book out every single year. But, you know, it's it's kind of what people refer to as the, the go-to resource for college basketball. You know, there are a lot of other great magazines that come out each year, but you're just not going to find the depth that, that you'll find in Blue Ribbon just because, quite frankly, I mean, we we pretty much talk to, I would say, every the country at some point or another uh, with all of these teams that we have in our book. And so I think that adds a, a different element maybe that you don't always get just from traditional uh, previews because we do like we go straight to the source and I know coach speak is something that we always talk about, but uh, we get pretty good information. I think it helps us kind of form our opinions uh, about these teams every year. Now, Blake, now so, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, Blake, just so we know, cause I, I, I don't know a whole lot about this anyway. So, so our listeners can figure this out. Like you said, you started with the horizon. What is your background? Like, yeah, no, I've been doing, uh, man, I've been doing some sort of college basketball writing for about 15 years now, I guess, uh, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, started kind of like most probably did uh, when they started. I started writing for free for several years and uh, just did a lot of random uh, college basketball stuff. I've also done some some NFL and other stuff like that, college football. So, yeah, I've just been a, a sports writer for 15 years and, uh, you know, always been involved in college basketball. And, uh, you know, I've just kind of done a lot of different stuff along the way and so uh, it was fun to actually get started with blue ribbon because it's something that i've always read throughout the years just to kind of have my own knowledge 
on, on what to expect going into to that specific season. So, yeah, started uh, doing that with the Horizon League and the Big West. Those were my first two conferences, and I've kind of uh, done some stuff with the WAC and Mountain West and a couple SEC, and it's just uh, kind of been all over the place. And where did you go to school? Like, who, who's your team? Like, when you're not trying to do the, the, the big picture, who, who, who do you follow? <laughs> yeah. Well, I will tell you, I am an Austin P alum. So uh, the governor's uh, is somewhere that, uh, you know, holds a special place to me. But uh, living in the Nashville area, you know, I, I grew up um, watching a lot of SEC, of course, uh, going to, to Vanderbilt games and, and kind of, you know, watching the growth of the SEC, which that was back when, you know, you had those just incredible teams like in the 90s. Those Kentucky teams uh, were fun to watch coming in, you know, with Tony Delk and, and all those Patino teams that were here. And uh, so, yeah, just just really probably a lot of SEC background just because of location, but uh, kind of just a lot of different stuff, to be honest, guys. Now, um, and obviously, you know, there were there were probably times during the summer where a lot of us were wondering if we were going to have a college basketball season. Um when we now that we finally did, I guess, you know, obviously, when we talk about your publication, your publication usually comes out around this time of year. We're, we're recording in the middle of October, but yeah, your your publication usually comes out in October at some point in time. Um, what were kind of the challenges this year that you you had to face as opposed to some of the what we would call normal years oh there were some challenges to say the least uh there were a lot of them because we were uh, like a lot of people i I think there was obviously a time where we considered you know do we really are we going to be able to do this you know financially because if we put something out like this and you think about all the writers we have and everything that goes into it there's a lot of money that goes into something like this when you're trying to build out you know, a publication with with a depth like this of doing it the way we do it, where you're basically writing 18 to 2,000 words on a lot of teams and maybe 1,500. Um, you know, it's just it's a lot that goes into it. And so there was a point where we wondered, you know, do we just take the year off and come back next year? Would that be the, the thing that makes the most sense? But when we just kind of decided, we we talked started talking to coaches and we got that feel for the most part that hey, we think there's going to be a season. And that's when we decided, all right, well, let's just move forward and, you know, just kind of take a risk on it. I think it's one that's probably paid off, to be honest, because, you know, there have been other publications that have decided not to publish. And that has already, you know, resulted in us having a lot of eyeballs on on Blue Ribbon just because it's going to probably be one of the few resources that's out there. Um, And so it it was. It was a lot of very challenging moments uh, throughout the summer because you mentioned it. You know, usually we do publish in October, but honestly, usually we start the process in May or early June in terms of talking to coaches. And like we, we pretty much have for the most part, usually by mid, I'd say mid August, late August, uh, at least, you know, the first draft, we always circle back around before we send it to print to make sure, you know, injuries, transfers and stuff. But this was something that we honestly put together guys. And, and I would say two months and, and it was very challenging, but I think the fact that we were able to put all this together in two months uh, was pretty incredible. And it just speaks to, you know, the staff that we put together. I would probably say that this year, uh, ironically, this year is probably a little less challenging for the horizon league because the coaching turnover happened earlier this year. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, that's, that's true. And uh, it's something where at least I wasn't having to, Chase down uh, Dennis Gates uh, 
five days after he'd gotten the job so we could get our book out. I think that was one of the, the last teams we had to send in a season ago because it was like, oh, my goodness, you had to change. And I was like, oh, no, what are we going to do? Because I had already had the preview written with with uh, with Dennis Felton. And I was like, oh, gosh, we now we've got to switch this whole entire thing. But it was. And I think the Horizon League is one, uh, you know, from doing several different conferences. It's, it's always pretty much, I don't want to say easy, but – like you, you build that rapport with coaches, and I think they're usually pretty good now about just getting us the information we need. And so uh, when you have coaching turnover, even like you did, you know, at Green Bay with Will Ryan taking the job and kind of a, a switch there that not a lot of people expected. But we were still, I think, able to get, you know, the information we needed. And I think that helped us, at least for the most part, try to form a somewhat uh, educated guess on what we can expect from this league uh, this season. Although, uh, as I've told you guys, uh, it's one that was <laughs> that was much tougher to do than, than in recent off seasons. Now, one of the other things, obviously, while I say with the in terms of the Horizon League, you did have one small wrinkle that did pop up late, uh, probably late during your cycle, which would have been, which is the the addition of Robert Morris. Yeah. Now, I assume that you guys were already working on Robert Morris anyway, but for the NEC, um, what kind of adjustments did you guys have? Did you guys have to make any adjustments in terms of you know the the actual? guts of the the actual content or is it just something that you guys were already working on and you just kind of you kind of switch that you move that over from the NEC to the Horizon League yeah that's what we decided to do because like I said I usually do the bulk of the Horizon teams uh, every year you know we just I, I take those teams and we do it that way Chris Dorch our publisher he does uh, Northern Kentucky just because he has a good relationship with Darren Horn and so he likes talking to him but what we did on Robert Morris was we just decided hey I mean we've got a guy who's done Robert Morris for years now and we're like let's just let him write it and uh, then you know for me as someone who does it plays a big role in putting together our, our rankings and everything I'm like okay well for me it's just all right once he finishes the preview let me take a good look at this maybe let me ask a couple questions to make sure i'm on the on the right page here because you know look guys it it's an extensive process and i I say that to everyone it's just you know we do the best we can because we have to cover so many different teams and it's not always easy just for me to you know think on the top of my head the smallest tiny detail about milwaukee or, or you know cleveland state or anyone like that when I am, you know, deep into trying to write my Oakland or IUPUI or any of those previews. And I'm like, I have to be able to go back and look at all this. Otherwise, you know, I don't want to be someone who just throws out rankings just to throw them out. Like, I want to make sure Sure. we get it as best we can, even though, you know, as we know, they're always going to play out different than you expect. So, of course. Um, so let's kind of talk about uh, let's kind of go or break down the kind of the your the, your preseason predictions in terms of how the Horizon League is shaking out. And you, like many other people, probably us too, I'm not spoil probably not spoiling anything for us, but um, you guys have Wright State finishing first. Um, and I have this weird feeling that's going to be still the consensus within the within the conference. Um, one of the things that I, I, I and I guess you kind of can't you you can't you can't um, discount the fact that they still have Loud and Love on the uh, Loud and Love in the uh, lineup. You still have Tanner Holden in the lineup. Um, what challenges do you, in spite of the fact that they are finishing first, what kind of challenges do you see Wright State actually having in defending that regular season title? 
Yeah, I thought this was a team, and, and again, not to say that this is going to be a bad team. Obviously, if they were a bad team, I, I probably wouldn't have picked them at the top. But I, I do sure. have some some things I wonder about, I think, with this particular group. Um, you know, because you do lose some, some shooting. You lose some shooting. You lose some some veteran experience in the backcourt. Um, but I think it goes back to the loud and love thing. It's like, you know, you feel like you have the best player in the conference and being able to work through a guy like that, I think it's going to give them a lot of possibilities for what they're going to be able to do on offense and defense. But I also think uh, that when you look at this team, I mean, it's just one to where, you know, Scott Nagy, I, I go back to him all the time. It's just, I don't, I still don't think he gets enough credit for what he's accomplished in his career. And it's crazy to think that about a guy who's, you know, got 500 or so wins at, at various levels. Like he's just someone that seems to always find a way to make it work. Uh, but, you know, he still does have three returning starters coming back and he's got guys coming back that do have some experience, even if they're young, you know, like Grant Basile, like he's a sophomore. Uh, some of these other guys who got some, some valuable experience last year. I think that's something that will at least help them here. But I, I will say that, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about the teams I have right behind them in a second, but I do feel like maybe that gap has closed a little bit uh, between them and some of these other teams right behind them just because uh, I, I could see maybe that backcourt being something to where they don't necessarily have the experience they've had the past couple seasons. Uh, that could be something that we look at because there are, there are a lot of good backcourts uh, around the conference, as we know. Sure, and... I think another thing that, you know, kind of plays into what you're saying and you you talk about it here, you know, you mentioned Grant Basile, which is a great transition is um, it sounds like Nagy's talking about, you know, he doesn't want to bury him in the bench behind love. So playing the two of them together. Yeah. But with, no. the, with the lack of um, backcourt experience, it sounds like they're going to try to play defense and, you know, grind things out down low a bit more, which is not something we generally see in the horizon league. So do you think if they're going to change the, that style a bit, is that going to work in this league? Is that going to be something to kind of watch for the next little bit here? Yeah, and that'll be interesting to see because uh, I do think it's something where, you know, he's going to have to play a little bit different than he has with some of these other teams. And I think he understands that, like, because, again, if they do wind up putting Love and, and Vasily next to each other, that that is something, you know, that they're going to be able to have to slow the ball down a bit and they're going to have to, you know, play sort of that that different type of style. But, you know, you also have some guys that they're adding to the mix, I guess, like like Tim Finke comes in. I think Nagy's pretty high on him in terms of uh, the versatility that he'll give them. You know, maybe they can play small with him. They can play big. I know that's one of the things he talked about uh, for our preview. But, I, again, I, I I really like this team. Um, you know, they went 15-3 and in the conference last year. Do they go 15-3 and again this year? I would say probably not. I just feel like that the, the competition behind maybe is going to give them a little bit more of a challenge. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, they've just, I, they're just they're one of those teams, and I kind of equate it, I guess, because I, I do the Big West, too. It's it's like I kind of equate them to UC Irvine, who has just dominated the Big West for several years now. It's just at the end of the day, you know, can you really find enough behind these teams to pick against them? And, of course, I'm probably the dummy that picked against Irvine this year, even though they lost a lot. But uh, I, I just feel like Wright State still has enough, you know, talent, and I feel like Nagy's someone that – you know, he feels like he's got a deep lineup that he can work with, and I feel like that's going to probably pay off for him. Um, speaking of backcourts, you, you guys have you guys have Youngstown State finishing second, and from what I can see, um, you've you in terms of grades, your you've pretty much uh, Youngstown State is probably you graded kind of Youngstown State probably one of the as one of the top teams in terms of backcourt, um, and. 
there's very little there's very little reason why you would think that wouldn't be the case. I mean, they have they have Darius Quiz and Barry who's coming back. Plus, they also have Nas Bohan in the front court. Um, in terms of Youngstown State, obviously, you know this is a this is year four of Jer- this is year four of Jared Calhoun, mm-hmm. uh, who has who ca- was came on the cusp of you know having Youngstown season's best season ever as a Division One team. Not to mention one of the best teams they've had in the Horizon League, which, you know, if you've seen their record, isn't really saying a whole heck of a lot. What, what kind of jump do they have this year in terms of where they where they can be? Can they in terms of the fact that uh, what they have coming in, do you see them potentially competing with the right state for that conference title? Well, I'll tell you, one of the things that made me kind of go with Youngstown State at two was talking to some of the other coaches around the league and kind of getting their opinion. I'm like, hey, you know, I, I think most people are going to like we just talked about, right? State's probably going to be one. But the the majority of coaches I talked to are like, yeah, I'm like we think it's Youngstown State. Like I, this feels like their year to where they take that step forward. And, and it's because they're going to be very experienced. Like they're going to have a ton of experience. I mean, they get four starters back. You talked about Quisenberry and Bohannon. Guys like that. I mean, Michael Akashay's there. I mean, just just all sorts of guys. Garrett Covington. You just go down the list, and these are guys that have played a lot of minutes. Um, but for them to be number two, like they got to play defense. Their defense hasn't been as good. And Calhoun's talked about that. You would think, you know, and that has to frustrate him, right? Being a, a Bob Huggins disciple, like the fact that they just haven't been great on defense. Uh, that's been something that, that I think has kind of bugged him a bit. And so has the shooting. Uh, I feel like that's something to where they need to be able to shoot it better from outside. And and he feels like they're, they're at least going to be able to do that, I think, with some of the transfers they have coming in. Some sure. of the new guys, uh, I think, will probably be able to help them in shooting. If they do, I really feel like, I mean, they've, they've got everything you need, but they just have to be more consistent on defense because if they don't do that, I just don't know. Like, maybe they do wind up finishing in that, that five to seven range. But but I would be very surprised, I think, just because they will be one of the most experienced teams in the conference. They took that jump last year. And I would just expect that with someone like Quisenberry, who, you know, I obviously picked loud and love as player of the year. But would I be surprised if, if Derek Quisenberry winds up being the, the best player in the conference? Probably not, just because, I mean, he has the skills to do it. You just answered my next question, too, by the way. Um, <laughs> well, and, and the other thing with Youngstown State, too, is Youngstown State is part of what a part of a great club that nobody wants to be a part of, which is a one of the, one of the few school, one of the schools that has never made the NCAA tournament. Yep. So um, it, it seems to me that if they're going to if the, this is probably this may be their best shot in a long time to potentially get that, especially when you look at Wright State, who has had who is notorious for having issues in the conference tournament. Yeah, I think so. And and I just, you know, they, they just seem to have, I mean, he, he talked about Bohannon and I think he's right. Like he's someone that's just, I still don't think gets enough credit. And maybe that's just because, you know, they're a team that even though they finished, you know, fourth, fifth, whatever it was last year, you know, I, I think if they wind up finishing, you know, first or second this year, you're really going to have a lot of people finally say, oh yeah, why are we kind of just ignoring Nas Bohannon so long? Because I mean, you think about what he's able to do just as a rebounder and a scorer, uh, he can be a dominant kind of player on both sides of the court. So uh, I'm very interested to see where they go. And, and I think, you know, just talking to other coaches, I feel like that was sort of gave me uh, the the confidence at least to look at them and say, man, they, they do kind of have everything if they can just be better on defense. I'm glad you mentioned Nas Bohannon. Matt, why do you think I would be happy you mentioned Nas Bohannon? I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Nas Bohannon, Nas Bohannon comes 
comes from Lorraine, Ohio, which is my hometown. So there you go. Any, any chance that <laughs> no, any chance we get to mention Nas Bohannon without me having to bring it up, I'm definitely going to bring up the fact that we're from the same hometown. We're from the same <laughs> place. Um, <laughs> so, so while you're absolutely right, Nas Bohannon, which is interesting because when you look at some of the postseason picks from the last you know couple of years since he's been in the league he's been noticeably missing from kind of those postseason accolades and i have always wondered and maybe it's because there are so many different play you know so many different players um where that you know the second or third team is kind of a log jam and he kind of gets lost in the mix i think uh, you you make a good point there but yeah he's he's definitely the glue guy for that for that for for youngstown state yeah, he is, and I think that's one of the things that Calhoun brought up, which is sort of like, man, he's like, what, what do we have to do to get this guy on a all-conference team? I'm like, well, I told him, I was like, well, if you finish as high as everyone says you're going to this year, I said, don't worry, he'll be on uh, he'll be on the first team, so you don't have to worry about that. So, Blake, you've mentioned a couple times, obviously, when you guys are putting these together, you, you have access and you get to talk to a lot of the coaches. How much um, do you guys take what other coaches say about other players, other teams, into your account? Not just, you know, what that coach is saying about his player, but you know, what other coaches are saying about um, Nas Bohannon or, or anybody like that? Yeah, to a certain extent, I think you, you think about it. And that's what, I, you know, I just mentioned about Youngstown State. And, and if it had been, you know, just one coach, I think I probably would have said, all right, well, you know, maybe this guy is just friends with this guy or, you know, that kind of thing. You always have to think about that. But when you sort of, I try to do it to where, okay, if I hear it from one guy, that's one thing. If I hear it from four guys, that's, that's completely different. It's like, okay, well, I feel like everyone's sort of on the same page here. And and who am I to, you know, second guess the guys who are there every single night in the league? And, um, you know, and that's why I try to ask him. And I think, I will say this, like, I know we talk about like press conferences and coach speak and stuff, but I think coaches, when you, when you have kind of that one-on-one, I think you just get a lot more kind of honest opinions. Um, I'll tell you, Greg Campy is probably at the top of that list for me. Like if you just have a one-on-one with Greg Campy, like, you know, he's someone who's already, he's going to tell you what he thinks no matter what, but like, I just feel like you get a lot more kind of insight that you can use, especially for like a preview like ours, so uh, that you maybe don't always get. Like if you have just, you know, eight news stations and this or that there for just a, a generic sort of press conference. Um, so it is something we take into account. I don't know that we take it to the full extent, because if so, uh, there are probably a couple teams that, uh, you know, if coaches look at this, they'll probably be like, hey, man, I told you that I thought that this team was going to finish uh, at this place and you ranked them uh, eight places lower, you know, six places higher. I'm like, ah, well, you know, it just kind of is what it is. So I think we we think about it a bit, but we don't necessarily put all the stock in the world in it. I think Greg Campy needs his own TV show, not even <laughs> basketball related once he retires. I mean, he, he as you as you know from talking to him, I don't know how often you get to watch an open game. His his halftime interviews are, are, are <laughs> internet famous. I mean, he's just a he's a good time. He's you know that. I, He's one of my favorite conversations every year, honestly, guys. Like, I just tell you, like, he, and I don't mind saying that. Like, he's just, you, you just get so much. And, like, that's the thing is, like, we'll, we'll talk about basketball. We'll talk about it a little bit. And then, like, he'll just go off talking about some other things. And, we're, like, before you know it, like, we're, you know, 15 minutes set schedule interview. We're talking for 30 something minutes. I'm like, well, that's all right. So. You know, Matt, we should really think, as we're expanding the Horizon Roundtable, Brad, we should really think about getting into television and start producing stuff like this. <laughs> I'm in. You know that. Terry, I know you are, yeah, because you'll be the one sitting right next to him. Absolutely. You don't even need to feed him lines, because all you need to do is ask a couple of questions, and off he goes. And then get out of the way, exactly. Exactly. Conversations with Greg Campy are, are just, just a good time. Legendary. Absolutely legendary. So 
One pick that I actually wanted to ask you about, obviously, because as a Cleveland State fan, I witnessed because as we all witnessed last year, that crazy thing that happened, you know, and I'm sure it was crazy for you guys, especially the timing of it and everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, was the is the fact that you guys picked Cleveland State third? Um, obviously, you know, Dennis Gates surprised the hell out of all of us. By doing what he did, and you mentioned, and you mentioned with uh, as in terms of Wright State, kind of the that there's not a lot of there there's not a lot in terms of defense, um, you know, a lot of smash mouth defense in terms of the Horizon League as a whole. Cleveland State is clearly the exception because, um, as I said many times during the regular season last year, they basically defended their way into wins. And now this year they have, and I, I wanted to ask you about kind of, you know, what, what your thoughts are, uh, how you guys came across, came to the conclusion that they might, would be, that you picked them third. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about the fact that you also picked Demoy Hodge, um, their yep. new transfer as, as newcomer of the year. But uh, let's ask about, you know, I want to ask you kind of about what you looked at when you looked at Cleveland state and, you know, you feel that you guys came to the conclusion that, they're the one they're going to make that leap this year. Yeah, I just I felt like and you talk about, you know, guys that, that you get information from. And I I will tell you that I I have been so impressed with Dennis Gates. And that's probably putting it lightly. Um, I truly think he's probably a one of a handful of young coaches that will wind up like actually being like the real deal. Like, I, I just think he's got everything you need. And yeah. I think the fact that, you know, Cleveland state was able to get him. Uh, I just, I'm telling you, and I'm not someone who tries to look into the future, but I, I really do. Like, I think he is it, like he has the it factor. And I think that he's going to wind up being a very, very successful coach um, at sure. the division one level. I just, I just have that feeling and you just get that <laughs> feeling about the guys sometimes. I kind of um, do. Unfortunately, I also, I also have this very bad feeling that he's right. a parent to Leonard <laughs> Hamilton, which, means he'll leave Cleveland State very soon. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Like, I, I, I don't mean this in a mean way, but, like, I feel like that guy's going to be coaching in the, the ACC yeah. or the, you know, SEC Big 12, something, like, within the next five years. Like, and that may even be too long of a time frame, uh, to be honest. So I, I look at this team, and, I again, I know they only won, you know, 11 games total last year, but they did win seven of those in conference play. And, and I feel like because of the progression – we saw with this team and look, they had some issues like they had, yeah. you know, offensive issues like they they were not great. And But I think we have to also put into perspective what you brought up is that think about the situation that he stepped into and that they did not have a normal offseason. Um, and look, they don't have a normal offseason this season either, but it's different sure. because I, I think at the same time, at least he has a lot of guys that have already been there. And when you think about individually, like I, I look at it, too, when picking some of this stuff. I think about player development and I look at the coaches who develop the players the best because I'm like, it's one thing just to look at stats, but I'm trying to project into the next season, not knowing you know what the rotation may look like or anything. But when you think about some of the jumps that some of these players made, I mean, Al Eichelberger, obviously one. I mean, you talk yeah. about somebody making a jump. Uh, he, as, as Dennis Gates pointed out, I mean, you could probably even argue that he made – we put him in the top five in the country in terms of guys that made the biggest jump from one season yeah. to the next. Um, I think you can legitimately do that. And so when you think about that, um, you know, other guys that they're obviously going to have bringing back, I mean, you know, just different, they, they've just got so many different options. And, and you look at what he was able to do with some of those guys like Torrey Patton, uh, Trey Gomillion, you know, someone, I think Gomillion was the only guy that 
I want to say, did he start every game last year? He did. Um, yeah, he was yeah. the only one. Yeah, because um, and, and one of the other and you mentioned challenges, the other challenge that they had at the end of the season, they lost two of their guys. They lost Franklin Penn Jr. and they lost Craig Bodwan, who Craig Bodwan yeah. was basically their starting point guard near the end of the season. And so you think about just those guys right there that we mentioned, right? I mean, that's a that's a pretty good nucleus right there. But yeah. we know Dennis Gates, right? And, he, and he's someone who goes out and gets top talent. And he's already he's already done that. And that's why, you yep. know, you brought up DeMoy Hodge. And I'll tell you guys, I mean, and this is right in you guys' wheelhouse, right? Because uh, we're talking about uh, Oakland and Cleveland State here. But, you know, for me, it came down to, you know, one of those situations where you looked at it as, okay, do I pick Demoy Hodge or do I pick, you know, one of these potential guys uh, from Oakland? You know, like uh, guys like, you know, Zion Young or Jalen Moore, guys like that. And I just tell you, I, the more I looked at Demoy Hodge, I thought, man, you think about the way that Dennis Gates uses his guys, and it just feels like this guy is exactly what he wants from someone who is just a proven scorer. I mean, what did he average? 25 points a game yeah. uh, at the JUCO level, you know, and I just I just think he's someone that could come right in and, and be one of the best players in the conference, to be honest with you. Now, one of the other questions that I have, now, if you look at the Cleveland State roster coming in this year, you have not just, obviously, not not just Demoy Hodge, but you got a whole mess load of guys. And we had when we had Dennis Gates on um, a few months ago, you he also talked about you know he also talked about some of those uh, some of those walk on guys that yeah. he has no problem putting in the rotation like he did last year with Jeremy Sanchez. He may have another guy just like that in uh, in Michi Taylor. Um, and if that's the case, theoretically, you know, Cleveland State has a you know a potential rotation of like fifteen guys. I mean, they, you might hit him with attrition. Yeah, no, that's the thing is, you know, and we've seen that in the Horizon League, right? Like we've seen guys be able to throw in, you know, walk on guys and, and have them contribute. And, and I think there are there are several guys, you know, we've seen that around the league. I'm sure if I went back and looked at my notes, I could I could pull them up. But, you know, it's just I, and again, I, I, I could even looking at the roster, even if you're someone who doesn't know a lot about Dennis Gates, if you just look at the roster, like it's easy to be impressed with the roster, but I think you add the element to it that, again, I feel like he's one of the top young coaches in the entire country. Um, yeah. I just think they'll figure it out. And, and you know, he is someone, and I know you, you guys talk to him, but he is someone that does not lack confidence. And I love that about yeah. him. Like he's yeah. going to flat out tell you, you know, we think we're going to be the best team in the conference coming out. And and how can I argue that they won't be one of the top conference, top teams in the conference? Because they do have more coming back than anybody else in the conference. Quite honestly, almost by a wide margin for, for the most part. Um, so when you bring all that experience back, you already exceeded expectations in year one. I just think, you know, and I, I had trouble, to be honest with you. I had trouble picking between them and, and Youngstown State. I almost swapped them and put them at two. So. Wow. So, so go ahead, Matt. Well, I, was, I, didn't, I didn't know if you wanted to continue anything in the Cleveland State world. I figured I would just try to jump I around think we're good. I think we're good for now. I actually did um, ask about Oakland and definitely Northern Kentucky. But um, in terms of the new schools that are coming in, Robert Morris and, and Fort Wayne, um, yeah. I wanted to ask you kind of, um, you know, what what you thought of the, the how they were going to be able to acclimate into this into the Horizon League. Uh, you know, what was you know, how did you assess how they were going to acclimate in the end of the Horizon League? Because I believe you had because um, yeah. you I believe you had uh, Robert Morris, uh, I believe, uh, picked to finish. Uh, what was it? Fifth place. And yeah. then and then Fort Wayne, I believe you had somewhere around ninth or so. 
Yeah, that was one of the hardest things we had to do, I think, this entire publication cycle, to be honest Fort with you. Fort Wayne, and I, I will say, and I'm not going to lie, I, I can feel I, I feel your pain on the Fort Wayne one, because Fort <laughs> Wayne is so hard to read. Yeah, it's this was really hard, because, and, you know, we didn't really, I guess we had that, obviously, with some other conferences as well, but, like, this one for me, because it's such a, which, you know, I mean, I guess it's not a huge conference, but it's 12 teams, and when you have teams that are coming from different places into a new conference like it's just really hard to kind of gauge and i know people may look at it and say all right well robert morris like you know they're coming from the the nec and you know they all of a sudden just going to jump into being a team that can you know be right there in the top five i mean i i think they can just because you know they've got some talent i mean we know kind of what they they sport and and i'm a big fan you know coaching wise we talk about coaches i mean you kind of look at what you know andy tool's done there and and i just think that they've They've got some things that are going to be able to kind of help them in their transition. I mean, they've they've sort of got that it factor too. I, I think as a team that got some nice depth on this roster, um, they're they're a pretty balanced team overall. I think when you look at their roster, so comparing them, you know, to some of these other teams, and, and I, you know, I probably I think about it, guys. I will say that Robert Morris and I want to say probably Oakland were the two teams that I I swapped around the most just because I, I had a really hard time trying to figure out where to place those two teams. And you could probably honestly even throw Northern Kentucky in there uh, because, look, they've got some good players coming back. I know we'll get to them in a second. But, just you know, that, that middle of the conference is always hard to gauge. But I, I do think Robert Morris has a chance to step in right away and, and be able to, to win some games just because of the style they play and because of the rosters they have. With Fort Wayne – I just, I don't know, man. I, I ended up putting, <laughs> it really was. And again, it's not like I have anything. No, it's true. Know, I, I read, you know, did the preview, actually, you know, kind of had some text exchange with, with John Kaufman. And like, I was trying just to get some additional stuff because I wanted to make sure, you know, again, that we put them in the right spot. But I just don't know because, you know, they weren't great last season. Um, you know, they're coming from the summit. I know they've, they've got some pieces. I know there are some things, some specialty type of stuff they'll be able to do well. But at the, for the most part, like I just couldn't see putting them ahead, you know, of some of these other teams that, that are already in the conference. Sure. I'm sure we don't want to go, you know, pick by pick because the, the truth is we, we could sit here and talk through every one of these. Yeah. Picks. I'm going I'm to jump <laughs> exactly. around a little bit on you. As much as much as the pains, you know, we're, I'm going to skip UIC and, and some others here for a second, and that, that's another team that's you know hard to predict because they've got yeah. so much new stuff coming in and new coach. But I like them too. But the Northern Kentucky angle I'm, I'm struggling with this one as someone you know when i did my previews and all this and i will admit i said this last year and i looked really stupid so odds are i'm gonna look stupid again <laughs> but what do you see in northern kentucky that you would have them where you have them um because i i think they're gonna really struggle this year I, I don't think they have the pieces but but i seem to be missing something so tell me about northern kentucky a little bit what you're seeing yeah, I think with Northern Kentucky, um, at one point, I think I had them at eighth behind. I wonder who would that have been? That would have been Oakland and Green Bay, I think. I, I would have had them there at one point. Um, I wound up swapping them back just because I don't know if it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, Darren Horn's done a pretty good job since he got there already. And I know the roster's a little bit different, but I almost feel as well, you know, they, they're still going to have a decent backcourt. Do they have the front court? It's obviously going to be a big question with them. Uh, and we talk about, you know, when you're having to battle up against teams like Wright State, um, you know, some of these other teams, I mean, like a Nas Bohannon, you know, and you have to be able to kind of have someone that can do that. And I think there are going to be some questions there with them uh, in terms of just that overall depth with what they can do maybe in the front court. 
But at the same time, um, you know, we, we kind of just talked about it, guys, with the uncertainty with some of these new teams coming in. And even though I picked Robert Morris ahead of them, like there's just I don't know. And and I think it's because I had a lot more questions maybe about some of those teams behind them. And I'll admit, and I, I told our publisher this, Chris Storch, who ironically writes the Northern Kentucky preview. Um, I said, listen, man, I said the one team I'm going to regret not picking higher is probably going to be Oakland. Uh, and I said, the one team I'm probably going to regret picking as high as I did is probably going to be Northern Kentucky, just because I, I don't really know, because I think both teams have unknowns, but I think the trajectory of a team like Oakland, I'm not just saying this because I'm on your podcast, guys, uh, but I look at the potential of the roster with Oakland, and I just feel like it's a little bit higher. But at the same time, that also kind of relies on some unknowns with, OK, with certain guys here or there, um, you know, you've got a lot of new guys on that roster. So. Maybe this is just uh, impressed by what Darren Horn's a couple years in, just like, all right, he's he's doing okay here, and maybe he finds a way to get some of these new guys uh, fitting into the mix. He does have some pretty talented new players he's going to add, uh, but, man, there's there's still a lot of questions on that team, and I think it's just one of those where I'm not – I can't say I'm overly impressed with Northern Kentucky, but it was almost like I'm really not sure where else to put them. And it's hard to pick against them because they, they've every year just continued to to yeah. impress in the horizon. Like, and I get that. But, you know, like for me, when I start to look at teams, I really kind of look at the top three yeah. on a team, like it, almost as if it was a game of three on three. Right. And after Faulkner, there's just such a such a gap on Northern Kentucky. And that's where I'm struggling with them. But but again, I picked against Northern Kentucky in the past and look stupid. So here I am doing it again. <laughs> you but picked, uh, okay yeah, you that. picked against them last year. See how that went. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. So what do I know? I mean, we've, we've proven that time and again. But I am just I just struggle with Northern Kentucky. Um, One of my other questions for you, again, just kind of jumping around, is you've got Detroit Mercy pretty low. And actually, yeah. uh, I, as an Oakland person initially, I'm not a big uh, Detroit Mercy fan. But um, really? I, I never noticed that. Yeah, I know. It's new information. <laughs> um, surprise. But... Uh, what what aren't you seeing? Because the way I see, I mean, especially with the addition of Torian Thompson and if Calipari can hit shots and take just a little bit off Davis, you guys still think they're going to be lower. What 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 aren't you seeing from Detroit Mercy that you think they might be missing? Yeah, I think it's because you know you're, I, you know, it's I can't say it's honestly much different than some of the other teams because you are relying on what ifs, but. You know, I think Detroit's Mercy's goal this year is going to be, all right, well, let's let's take the ball out of Antoine Davis's hands a little bit more. But I guess in my thing is, you know, if you do that, you've got to have guys who can who can make the plays and you've got to have guys who can make the shots. And, and they struggled a bit last year. I mean, you know, Calipari, that's the thing is, you know, kind of kept bringing it up. We just need him to make shots. Well, he needs to do that, right? I think that's something to where I think you kind of want to see it. And then you have some of those other guys that are back. You know, like Chris Brandon, who obviously, you know, rebounded well. Willie Isiani, I mean, you've got guys who have played some minutes, but at the same time, you know, you're also looking at Torian Thompson coming in, and I think that he's probably going to be someone that should be, you know, a pretty, obviously a, a very top sort of front court type of player right away. But at the same time, this is still a team that, you know, they won eight games last year. And I just, I think I have a hard time knowing that, even with some of these guys that they're going to bring in, I almost feel like it's a wait and see. Like I want to kind of be that prove it scenario with them. Whereas I guess if you compare it to a Northern Kentucky where it's like, well, you look at sort of the trends and you're like, well, Northern Kentucky seemingly tried to at least figure it out. And they've, they've managed to figure it out for the most part with Detroit. I'm still just sitting there and look, I'll tell you, Mike Davis was like, man, I think we finally got our guys and what we're going to be able to do. And, and it's hard to disagree with that. But at the same time, I just look at this team and I'm like, okay, they're still, you know, if Torian Thompson isn't 
maybe to that extent that we think he's going to be. And then I think you're looking at a team again that's going to struggle. And, you know, again, what's that transition like taking the ball out of Antoine Davis's hands? And do they have those guys who can be as consistent to do that? So I, this, again, I, you guys are going to, well, you just play this on loop the entire episode if you want. I had a hard time picking this one, uh, but uh, I just, I don't know. There wasn't enough there for me to pick them much higher. So don't Blake, really. Bad. Don't feel bad. We've spent, yeah, I'm sure, you know, <laughs> us, we have, we, we, this is actually a perennial thing where three through 10 or, or, in years past three through eight was always kind of a crapshoot for us, even during the regular season when they were playing games. So yeah. don't feel bad. <laughs> I was going to say like, we, we, this is all we cover as a horizon thing. And I don't like having to pick this stuff. So I don't know why you keep doing this to yourself. And horizon <laughs> Cause it's just, it's such a, you, you, we always just say, just throw them in a hat and pull it out because it, it's really hard to decipher <laughs> anything different between most of these teams. And you, as much as you can find a, a leverage in on, oh yeah, this is why this team's going to be good. You can then just poke holes in, in any of these teams right now. Yeah. I should have made the switch before two new teams were added, especially. I should have, all right, if we add any more teams this league, like I'm out. Like I'm I, out. I don't <laughs> like <laughs> so, um, I mean, so you, you We'll, we'll do a real quick Oakland talk. I actually, I, I, I agree with you on pretty much everything Oakland, believe it or not. So I'm some the Oakland people won't love me for that, but uh, I agree with you. Um, I think the one thing that um, I'm waiting to see, and you don't mention it in your preview, so you you talk to Campy, so that tells me that I could be way off. Is if Babatunde Suunmi can step up and actually be someone in the middle to help Oladapo for Oakland. Um, I think you know otherwise Oakland's going to be trying to run four guards, especially if Zion Young get, does get free. Um, and hopefully they'll know that soon. And I'm not sure if, you know, that's, that's what Campy likes to do. He likes to run fast and get out and not play a whole lot of defense. And it looks like he's trying to get back to that, but I'm not sure if that's going to translate in the horizon league at this point, you know, if they run into a right state, who's slowing it down with their, with their bigs and, you know, Oladapo is trying to slow love and love. How is that really going to work out? I, I, I don't know. You know, yeah, so. I think that's where I'm at with them is even though he did say, you know, I think we're back to playing the way we want to play. I, I think it's still okay. Well, that's that's one thing, but at the same time, you know, it's it's also about matchups and and how you kind of prepare against the competition. And so, I that they're one that I, I really think that is going to. And I'm just trying to take the optimistic approach here, but I do think they're going to wind up winning some games, and they may probably finish a little bit higher than I had them. I just don't know if they're one of those teams that you necessarily project ahead and be like, all right, do I do I think they're going to be top four? Do they have that type of potential? I mean, that's probably why I picked them kind of in that middle range, just because I'm like, I don't know. And and again, you're you're relying on what ifs there, because we talked about, you know, the two guys, you know, with Zion Young and, and Jalen Moore. And then, you know, he mentioned Yusuf as someone that he thinks, you know, could be the freshman of the year. Obviously, he sat out. He's real big year, on him. But yeah, and he's, I mean, he and, you know, he pointed out the one thing which we put a preview about, you know, he had the 30 point game and the, the international tour game there before last season. And he's just like, I really think this guy and there was some stuff, you know, we didn't necessarily put in there because we <laughs> quotes wise, like, you only put so much. But like he is like he really thinks this guy is going to be one of the best big men in the conference this season, like not even projecting ahead like he's talking about like this season. So um, if that's the case, I, I think that they have what it takes but again you're still relying on the what if scenarios with some of the guards that they're going to add to the mix uh, but if they have that full team that you expect them to have 
I, I would not be surprised if, if they're one of those that we kind of look back and say, man, I feel like I sort of underrated them just based on the fact that, you know, Rashad Williams, we know, is, is going to be someone that he's he's probably hopefully not going to have the have to have the volume that he had last year uh, just because they're going to have a little bit more around him. But at the same time, I mean, he's he's a great player and, and maybe that helps them and they just need him to be more efficient. Uh, but I I don't know, like they're just they're like a lot of these teams, as we've said, guys, it's just. You can pick out the things that you love about him, but then you look around and you're like, man, there's still some of these things that I, I just don't know. And especially in an offseason like this, right? We just, because we don't know. And, and I think we've seen that, you know, not to take this conversation away from, from basketball, but like think about some of the things like we've seen in, in even like college football, like just been some crazy results, like some weird things. Like I guess you can even point towards like NFL, other stuff as well. Like I don't really like this is going to be a weird season. Like there's no doubt about it. And so I I think we're just going to see a lot of crazy things. And, you know, I feel like that's exactly what we're going to see in a league like this. Sure. When we look at the bottom, um, uh, kind of look at the bottom of your predictions. um, We are, you basically have the same two teams that basically been at the bottom of the conference standings from last year, which is um, Milwaukee and IUPUI. Um, IUPUI to me has always been kind of a mystery because they have a solid core coming back, which incidentally yeah. we didn't think was going to happen because they stay, they still have Marcus Burke coming back. They still have Jalen Manette coming back. They have Elijah Goss coming back. Uh, they added a couple of components and Byron Rim is back as the head coach. Um, same thing with Milwaukee. Same thing with Milwaukee. You had Courtney Brown Jr., C.J. Wilborn, and obviously Tijon Lucas, who you got as a first-teamer uh, all-conference. What are these two teams kind of missing at this point in time that they're they're situated at the bottom, or is it just bad timing that there's such a logjam above them that they're not going to get too many opportunities to win? I think that's it, to be honest with you, because I kept looking at it, I'm like, you know, because I had talked to some other people that that I, you know, they they cover the Horizon League as well, like you guys. And I'm like, I feel like Milwaukee's going to be better. I feel like IUPUI is going to be better. But I'm like, who do I put them ahead of? And and I think that's some of the things that we ran into was like, where do we actually put these teams uh, in terms of maybe being in a spot to where, OK, I think maybe they're going to be better. But it's like how much better and where has the consistency been? Because these, I mean, as we know, like these are just two programs that, I mean, we think back to even last year. That was another one last year. We talked about the Dennis Gates switch and all that. But, you know, the, the switch from, from Jason Gardner to, to Byron Rim. And, and I know, like, that's something, too. Like, they only won seven games, and, and maybe it shouldn't have been that big of a surprise because you did have such a late switch with that one as well. Um, and then with Milwaukee, I mean, I, I've got, you know, got nothing against Pat Baldwin, but I just think it's something to where they just haven't had any consistency. And even with four starters returning, um, you know, and having Lucas, like you said, someone who I, you know, picked as probably one of the top five players in the, in the conference in terms of production, because I think the numbers, you'll have to put them up if they're going to be yeah. a team um, that's going to win some games. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. So I, it was honestly a case of like, okay. I feel like IUPUI is going to be better. Obviously, they have two guys who you know could put up 20 points a game again, whatever. Uh, Milwaukee could be better, but it's like I don't think they're better than Oakland. You know, I don't necessarily think they're going to be better than Green Bay, although Green Bay, I, another one, like I said, is really hard to place because I don't know what exactly they're going to do stylistically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know they've got Amari Davis, but I just – I don't know, man. That's a big change. And so, yeah. you know, that, it almost like looking back, I – and uh, sorry to any Fort Wayne listeners, but like I probably would almost put Fort Wayne a little bit lower just because I'm like, all right, surely I, I can put Milwaukee, Detroit up a little bit further. But even then, like you're probably only moving them up a spot. So, sure. 
So, yeah, they, um, well, the other thing, too, with Milwaukee is Milwaukee, for the last two seasons, they start out okay in the conference, and then the second half of the conference schedule, they just kind of, they just yeah. lose their way. I mean, last year they, last year they did terribly. The year before they lost, like, what was it, 11 games in a row? Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, the, the you know, they're good consistency-wise at the, you know, at the front end, and then the back end, they just all kind of fall apart. I can see kind of what, um, I guess the question that they have is, can they stop doing that? <laughs> well, and that's, I just looked at my notes too here, and I, I was trying to think. I was like, I knew I had a weird Milwaukee stat, but last year, like 14 of their, their 19 losses were by single digits and 11 were by six points or less. So you think about mm-hmm. that, and it's like, well, what's what's going to be the thing that puts them over the top there? And I don't necessarily know. And it's like, okay, well, if they've proven that they can't win those close games, and it's like, I mean, I guess, you know, I guess the extra added year of experience helps, but still it's, you know, do they have those things that maybe are necessarily going to be able to put them over the top when it comes to winning those games this year? Certainly could, but um, at the end of the day, like they're just, they were another team that was really hard to place because you kind of have to go off of track record and, you know, their track record has been, they just can't find a way to win some of these games. Which is I'm just insane. really glad to hear hear an expert, you know, talking through all this and, you know, picking your brain about it. And you're going through all the exact same problems I did, which tells me that I was <laughs> at least started in the right direction. We might have come out with different different answers, but like it's just so hard to put this league together in some way that makes sense because you can make a, a case for anybody and you can make a case against anyone. And you just start to go, uh, Fort Wayne goes here. Sure. Cool. Like because you got to come up with an answer at some point. But what is the answer? Yeah, it's funny because I, I remember back like well, it was a couple years ago, I guess, when I started doing the Horizon League, I, I told them, I was like, man, I was like, all the stuff I do, I said, the Horizon League is so hard to pick this year. Like, this is just so tough. And now, like, everybody's laughing at me this year because I'm saying that I'm like, t- you know, taking it to like the next extreme. I'm like, all right, remember what I said a couple years ago about picking the Horizon League? I said, now you got two extra teams. You got a pandemic. I said, this is uh, this is easily the hardest thing we have to do because uh, I have no idea where to put these teams. And so well, well, uh, Welcome you know. to our world. <laughs> and, little, little and we follow them all the time. Well, what and it's a lot funny, of like, fans don't seem to understand is that this is this is a thing, you know, like, yeah, we, we there is no great team. So everyone's like, oh, this conference is down. Well, no, it's not Butler levels, but like, yeah. I think it's a good conference. It's just there's a lot of parity between them. And at some point it kind of lowers the numbers because there's no standouts. And, and at any time, somebody can beat somebody else because they're actually fairly evenly matched. And I, and think, I think the conference, it, makes, it gives yeah. some bad optics maybe for the league, but I think it's actually a good league in that that regard. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but I, I was actually going to point out that, you know, that was one of the things I heard from some of the coaches was like, look, we actually think our league's going to be much better this year and not just because of the addition of the two teams that you're going to add. But at the same time, it's like, you know, but you look at some of these teams and you're like, OK, well, this team's got a potential weakness there, a potential weakness there. Um, and so what's the thing that separates everyone? And that's why I think I went back to it. And I just kept saying, man, I don't know, because like one of the things people try to do, I think, when they read Blue Ribbon, too, is they look at like our our individual like team grades. So like they look at our Blue Ribbon analysis grades and everything. And by the way, you talk about hard to do. Like, I don't I don't know what the heck sometimes separates a, a B minus from a C plus and like all this other stuff. So remember, we're not mathematicians doing this, uh, especially myself, who failed math twice. So um, just keep that in mind. When we put our grades in there. But it's just it's something where you almost just have to. And I know you guys do this as well. It's like you try to break it down, but at the end of the day, you tend to lean towards things that, at least for me, like I tend to lean towards, I, I try to look at it in that one season bubble, but I think it's really hard sometimes when you also have to factor in, okay, this guy's track record is when he's had a team like this in the past. Has he succeeded? Has he failed? 
And so that's some of the things I look at. And like, you know, we barely, we haven't really talked about USC. Like you said, we could talk about every single one of these teams. We could be here for four hours, but like me putting UIC, (laughs) me putting UIC at four, like could UIC finish ninth, 10th? Absolutely. Like, because they have a lot, like there's a lot of things. Like I, I really like you, you, you can't even say his name, Luke Yaklich, but like at the same time, like they've got a bunch of question marks too, because we're banking on them, you know, everything coming together just the right way to pick them that high. And so it, it, you always, it's a juggling act like all the time. And it's just something where this is why, and you know, Chris, Chris Dorch may get mad at me for saying this, but he laughs at me when I say it all the time is, you know, to me, like preseason rankings are just, they don't really mean a whole lot because they're, they, you know, they're one person's opinion, two person's opinions, whatever. And you try to do the best you can on paper looking at these teams. But again, in a, in a pandemic and knowing that, you know, a team like Oakland, who was the last team, I think, to get actually get on the court uh, in the league, you know, how do you, how do you figure stuff like that out? What's the chemistry going to look like? And so there's just so many different unknowns going into a season like this one. Well, Blake, thank you very much for joining us. You guys do yeoman's work over at Blue Ribbon. Um, let, tell everybody where we can find you, uh, where everybody can find you online. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. This was a lot of fun, and uh, I don't get to talk about the Horizon League a lot, other than my uh, inside my computer with me and my uh, you know computer sitting here for hours. You're trying always to welcome to come back anytime. <laughs> anytime. Yes, I appreciate that. But yeah, like we talked about uh, the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Year, but is available uh you guys uh, have your your copies there the, the digital part is already available uh you can also get the print version which is uh you can go ahead and pre-order it at blueribbonyearbook.com uh like i said those should be out uh, i'd say probably in the next couple weeks here uh, before the first of november would be my best guess uh, but if you go ahead and pre-order that now you can get that on the way uh, and have several weeks to, to kind of look at it before the season starts and then yeah for everything else uh, you can just follow me on twitter at the blake level Thank you very much, sir. Um, that's going to close it out for us. Uh, tune in next week. We're going to have Charles Pipkins, the the D1 docket, who is like the the when it comes to compiling you know, all kinds of scheduling stuff, he's the guy to talk to. We're going to have him on next week. Hopefully, the Horizon League actually has a actually has a schedule by that point in time. But um, in the meantime, um, be sure to again be sure to subscribe to us wherever uh, podcasts are available. Follow us on the website at. Uh, HorizonRoundtable.com, and be sure if you've got an Amazon or Google device, be sure to pop uh, pull us up on there. So yeah, thank you very much again, Blake, for uh, for coming in, and thank you all for listening. <laughs>